Okay, good morning. Oh, first service was way better than that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here today. The good news is you're already all baptized because it is awful outside. Good. But we're still going to go ahead with baptisms. Uh, this is a really awesome day. Um, I was baptized on April 30th, 95. That was a cute little tiny thing. I was back in that baptismal and couldn't see over the wall. And uh, I remember going to ask the lead pastor to baptize me before I ever said anything to my parents. So that was a really good surprise for them. Uh, but we love these days as a staff. Uh, we just love seeing life change and people going from old to new. And uh, it's, a really, it's a really awesome experience. I think we've got eight people lined up um, getting ready to be baptized, which is awesome. So if that is you and you're still, like, maybe feeling like this is your day but you haven't signed up, that there's no worries. You can uh, hop right in today, come and talk to one of the staff as we head down to the river, and um, I'm really excited. It's going to be a good morning. So my name is Natalie. I am the kids pastor here, and because I am the kids pastor and sometimes speak at, at Uprising to Women, I'm used to, like, rowdier crowds, and women are awesome to speak to. Sorry, guys, but they just are. They have really great energy. Guys are a little, like, uh, like cool. So, uh, and kids, kids, kids don't even care, but they care at the same time. They chuck Lego at you. They have a great time and ask all the questions that I tell them to ask their parents later. So it's, I'm used to a little bit m just more. So if you just sit here and look at me today, I will panic and say things that I shouldn't to get you to laugh. So you should just assist me because my boss is in the room and if I say things, like, it's bad. So we're all agreed that we're going to have fun. We're going to be vocal. Good. Glad that we have that established. Um, have you been enjoying the Life Hack series? It's been really good. I love, I love seeing a, a series that is really simplistic in nature be used for extreme growth. And sometimes we make the things of Jesus so complex. And really, he's like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty simple guy. Like, I'm not really asking for a whole lot. And so I love a series that just says, here's, here's some things for you in your life that we believe prayerfully as a staff um, are ways for you to connect with God. You should, tr you should just try them out. We dare you. And so I love seeing some of you pick up journaling, um, hearing messages about um, being a forgiving person. All that kind of stuff is really, is really good. It's awesome as a staff to see you guys grab onto stuff and to experience Jesus. So today, um, just before I get started, I'm going to pray for us, for myself and for you, and uh, I'm believing we're going to have a great morning, so you can bow your heads with me. Father God, you are so good, and you're already here. We don't need to petition you to come. Um, you're present. Um, God, may we be leaning in. May we be on the edge of our seat. May we believe that you do breathe through the word and that you do use people um, and their voice. God, may what lays over this crowd not be... Uh, my words, but the weight of your spirit and uh, the aroma of your grace, the presence of your Holy Spirit. We invite you to come uh, 
We, we uh, promise to partner with you in not being distracted. Um, hold us to our seat, God. Um, help us to tune into you and what you have for us today. And we all said, amen. All right, before I read some scripture to you, um, as I was given the topic of obedience, um, I tend to have a bit of a prayerful approach, which is a really good thing, just as a, a fun fact for you in your life. And so I sat down with God and with my journal and with the word and started just kind of reading about obedience and trying to figure out what is it that God has for us today. Um, because I didn't want to get up here with my agenda of obedience because I'm not so great all the time because I'm human. And so I started trying to figure out not just about today, but I believe that God is calling Crosspoint to be one of the most obedient and willing communities. And I believe that in order to do that, we kind of have to pick up that mantle a bit and not rest in the stuff we've done. And that obedience is a lifestyle and a heart set, right? So here's how I want you to think of today. Here's the lens for which you can look through today. Um, we all know what a stop sign looks like, correct? Not everyone in Fredericton really does it well, but we all at least know what the appearance of a stop sign is and we know what it means, right? So when I pull up to a stop sign, I have to obey it, right? We all have this agreement, kinda, as Fredericton, that when we pull up to a stop sign, we're gonna stop, right? Red means stop. We're supposed to. Um, so there's two things going on. I'm stopping because I'm obeying the sign, but I'm also trusting that the other drivers around me are also going to obey the sign, right? Because if they're not obeying the sign, but I'm trusting them to do so, I will be T-boned in the middle of an intersection, which actually has happened to me twice, but it was not my fault because I'm a nice girl, so I obey the stop signs. Um, so here's where God is taking us today. It is all well and good to talk about obedience. It is great to, talking, to talk about movement. God loves action. But before we can get to a place where we have tons of movement, we have to have a foundation of trust in Christ. Okay? So it's almost kind of one of those precursors. A prerequisite to obedience is know who you're obeying and trust them. Right? And in this case, know who God is and trust him. Right? So that's kind of where um, we're heading today. So I'm going to read you some scripture from the Bible. And this is in John chapter 20. So this is in the New Testament. And just to give you a little bit of context to these scriptures, really funny side note, I was a little bit nervous this morning, even though you guys are fun to be with, and I forgot my Bible. So I borrowed Jamie's because he's not here, so he can't say no. Um, <laughs> it's like he's here, but he's not, but he's here. Uh, so in John chapter 20, at this point, uh, Jesus has died. Okay, so the cross happened, the crucifixion happened, and we're probably about three days um, after that. Okay, so we're like really still in the after effect of the cross, like the immediate after effect. And we pick up. Um, with the disciples. So I'm going to start reading uh, in chapter 20, and I'm going to start in verse 19. There is a little bit of scripture, but it'll be on the big screen. 
You can follow along in your paper Bibles. If you brought a glowing Bible, the paper person Bible is more holy than you. I actually heard a preacher say if you have a gold leaf on your Bible, you're more holy than the next person, but some people don't like those jokes, so <laughs> apparently you guys. So that Sunday evening, <laughs> just kidding, we're friends, guys, so we joke. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. I don't know about you guys, but anxiety, I feel, locks us up, right? Suddenly, as only Jesus would be able to do, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Down in 24, it says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. For any of you who know Thomas, and he's the typical doubter, I just feel so bad that Jesus didn't let him be there in the first thing. Like, just let him be there. Uh, you know, he has to have all this scripture where he doubted. Anyway, these are the things I think. Uh, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing them among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Just imagine how awkward that exchange was for poor Thomas. He was probably like... Uh, like at the back where of like all the disciples and Jesus walks in and he's like, of course you're here because you're Jesus. And he probably did like a quick, yep, it's good. There's a wound there. And poor guy. So in chapter 21, this is the last bit of scripture. It says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. Says something about urgency for Jesus, right? We should all be that urgent. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net into the shore. I'm sure they love that Simon left them there to do that. When they got there, they found <laughs> breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? It's a silent meal. <laughs> they knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. 
And so you may be wondering, <laughs> what does all that have to do with obedience and trust? And here's the thing. We have to understand what the disciples are going through at this point. Okay, because for me, I look at them and think, you are so lucky that you got to be in such proximity with Jesus. Like, we, we know Jesus. Jesus is inside of us, and we experience him. But they got to hang out with the person of Jesus here on earth. They got to walk around with him. They got to do all the, the miracle stuff. They got to eat with him. They got to know what his favorite robe was to wear. They knew his favorite inside jokes to say. They knew all the things they get to experience, not just a personal ministry of Christ, but the person of Christ. And there are times when I struggle and I think, but I have such distance from Jesus, the person. Like if I was just one of the disciples and had that experience, I, I don't understand why they're locked behind a door. Like, why are, they, why, are, why are they in an anxious time? Why are they experiencing anxiety? They should be out amongst the crowds telling everyone about the message of Christ because he's prepared them for this moment, right? He, leading up to the, the crucifixion, said, this is going to happen. And, I, like, he's trying to prepare them. And I love that when Jesus talks to the disciples, when he's in conversation and we read, he constantly says the word again. He's like, hey, let's go over it again, and they go over it again, and he's like, let me teach you this lesson again, because they're humans, right? They have a, they have a hard time grasping everything. And so because they've had such a personal experience with the person of Christ, they're grieving, right? They're mourning, and that's a very powerful feeling. It's a very powerful experience for humans to go through. It's a time when I think trust is, is sometimes high, but you just, you feel it in every part of you, right? It's so interruptive and large and all-encompassing. And although they know, they know that Jesus lived, they know that they're with, with the Messiah, they're grieving and they're hurt and they're having a, a moment where they're so obviously human, Right? you ever have those moments where you just are like, I am so human right now, it's actually ridiculous. Like, let's go be a human over here and be awful at everything. So they're in that kind of a state, right, where they're just not really sure what to do because their emotions, their humanness is kind of getting in the way a little bit. And here's the thing that Jesus does for them, which is awesome. And as I kind of searched these scriptures, I thought, like, I didn't even really pick up on that before, because I was always just amazed that Jesus was suddenly behind a locked door, and he had died. Like, that was always, like, the sensationalism of that always kind of captured me more than anything. But here's what Jesus is doing in these scriptures. He's saying, I know you're human. I know, because I've, I've been with you, and you're really human. But he's saying, he comes back in the tone of not, I told you so, but I love you so, right? And he comes back to them, and he has these experiences with them when he walks behind the locked door and when he helps them fish and, and catch fish and cook fish and gives them a snack, a snack from Jesus, those would be the best, um, where he says, I want you, even though you're not going to experience me as the person, 
you're going to experience me in a whole new way. And thank goodness we don't always experience Jesus the same, right? Thank goodness he's a transformative Jesus, that he's constantly looking to reveal himself in new ways. And so what he does is says, because you are so in your senses right now, because you are so enveloped in this grief and panic, I'm going to work through your senses. So he appeals to their sense of sight. He appears to them, right? They see him. He says, touch my hands, touch my wound. He touches he touches them, they touch him, he appeals to their sense of touch, right? He appeals to their sense of smell and taste because he cooks for them. And I love that he, Jesus always knows his audience and knows who he is with. And so not only does he cook for them, but he makes them a meal that they know, right? He's not making, you know, a club sandwich with a side of Greek salad. Like he's cooking something for them that they would have shared, they would have experienced. It was part of their palate at the time because Jesus is palatable, right? He's for each of us to understand and to trust and to experience. And so he doesn't come back with his finger shaking and say, like, what are you actually doing right now? Why are you behind a locked door? He understands that they need to have the experience of the new way that we now experience Jesus. So we get to read the scripture and say, yeah, like I experience you, I see Jesus every day, right? I, I get to smell the fragrance of his grace. I, I get to see him in my kids. I get to see him in nature, right? We have those experiences where we don't get to experience the person of God, but we definitely experience the inward dwelling of Jesus within us. Does that make sense? And so he says to the disciples, it is different. It definitely is. I'm walking behind a locked door right now. But I have never changed, and I will never change. And although it doesn't make sense right now, I will operate through your senses to have you understand that you will always experience me. I am always wish with you. There is a, miss a mission and a message, and you have to go do it. Right? So they, I believe that the disciples were not behind that door thinking, how can we be disobedient today and really, you know, hit that out of the park? Right? They were human, just like we are. They're human behind that door. And Jesus said, I will step into humanity and you will experience me. I am the truth and the answer. Right? Does that make sense to you? All right, so <laughs> here's the thing. I, as I was um, preparing for today, I was writing, and I love um, reading and writing and learning. It's some of my favorite things. And so I started, I, I was excited. When I saw my name on the preaching schedule for Baptism Sunday, I was like, okay, that's a lot. But then I thought, I, I love getting to hang out with you guys. I love, I love the learning that goes on up here. And even though I'm slightly biased to how kids learn, as to you, because they're way better at it, um, I, lo I love hanging out with the family, 
right? And so I was like, okay. So I started writing this message, just came back from Hillsong Conference, like freshly anointed in the spirit, feeling great and like really excited. I'm not making fun of, of this, like really excited to come back home. Like when you can have an experience like that and you're like, I can't wait to get home, right? Like God is here. God is doing something. And so I started writing this message about obedience, and I, like, I thought it was great. I was having a great time. I was like, this is good. They're going to love it. I was talking about our skill sets and how we're all, we're all good at something. You may not be good at everything, but you're good at something. So use it for the Lord. Like, let's go. And I felt really good. It was like a cheerleader, like rah, rah, rah. And I felt like I was excited. And, and then God right? And then God, and so he stepped in and was like, probably not. <laughs> I was like, okay, but I, I wrote all the things already, though. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, I know. Like, maybe if you listened earlier. <laughs> so, and so I was like, well, maybe it's like, I'll just like change a few things. So I did that. That was, it was still a no. And I was like, <laughs> don't, I don't understand. So I literally threw out all my notes and it went back to a blank slate. And I, I mean, this is like maybe a week ago, okay? So I was like, okay, good. This is going to be great and fun and informative for everyone. And so I sat, I remember sitting down. I had my journal open, blank page. And I had like that moment of panic where I was like, Okay, like any time, it's going to, like, you can say it, I'll write it down, anything, anything, say anything. I don't even care if it's about obedience at this point, like, just anything. And and nothing really came, and I was so frustrated because um, I want to honor God with, you know, preaching his word and, and how I preach it. And I had this <laughs> moment where I said, okay, God, I'll trust you. And he was like, okay, good. And then everything happened because we are so busy just doing stuff, right? Like, and, and stuff is not bad. There are lots of people doing really nice and awesome stuff in the world. And it's really not bad because we need, we need good in the world, right? We need good. But the thing is that God has a better purpose for us than just doing nice stuff for people, because there is an exchange that happens in this transaction of trust with Jesus that has to happen daily where we grow and we experience Christ and we say, I'll give it all to you. And he says, okay, now go. And I think that looks different to the world. That looks weird, right? When we're open about that trust relationship with Jesus and how we're trying to work that out because there's really not a great way I had someone ask me in between services, so how do I, like, how do I do that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just say the things. Like, I don't, I, like, but it is in the daily getting up and saying, I don't really know, but I trust you. That there is so much humility and there is so much observance of the authority of God. Not that he lords over you and, and uses you as this little puppet to go do his things, but that he dwells within and says, I trust you with this mission, right? There's something really, really good about that, and that looks different to the world, and I believe that's what Crosspoint is called to, unusual trust and incredible obedience, right? 
So think about it this way. Your posture of trust will direct, will affect, sorry, the condition of your obedience. What does your trust look like? Because if your trust always looks like this, you're not exactly willing. Because it's God having to break through that wall. So let's just be open in the first place. Let's be open to believing that we really can trust Jesus. Does that make sense? All right, so then I started on this whole journey of really praying about Crosspoint. And, and not that everything is about Crosspoint, not that everything is about what we do. I just happen to believe that God uses churches like this to accomplish his mission in the world. We don't serve a tactical, strategical God that is creating this mission that is about winning because he already did that. The mission is people. The mission has always been people, and the mission will forever be people. We serve a God who says, I see every single one. I love every single one. Now go be together and figure out how to do it. You know what I mean? We're so concerned with this crazy, hard mission when it's people. It's you and me. It's people out there, right? That's the mission. And so here's the thing. And I... I'm going to say this, and please understand, I'm just as convicted, okay? Hear my heart on all of this. When you write a message on something, you generally are the most convicted. So that's super cool and fun. It's been, <laughs> it's been awesome writing this. So I say this not preaching at you, but sharing in this endeavor with you, if that makes sense, okay? So don't get angry. Just stick with me. Because really, I mean, God said this, so you can't be mad at God. That's not me. I believe we are in a time when the condition of humanity is at its lowest. Okay? I believe we're in a time when the condition is loneliness, the condition is fear, the condition is defensiveness, the condition is hopelessness. All right? I don't know if you've turned your TV on lately. I don't know if you've read the news, but the images we see and the situation we are faced with is immense. And I, for one, am extremely overwhelmed. I don't, I don't really know exactly what to do. <laughs> I don't have any grand answers. I still have a two before my age, which I'm really, like, holding on to for the last little bit that I have it. So I don't have the most grand experience in life yet. But what I have observed in my life is the time for um, us having this intellectual answer for everything has to end. Because I don't know about you, <laughs> but I don't have answers for why the world is the way it is. I look at the scope of humanity and the condition of it, and think, like, why? Right? And really, some of us sound a little bit different when we say that, but we're all asking why in our own way. We're all trying to figure out how did we get here, right? And what do we do now? I believe that Jesus is asking his church to be extremely visible and on the forefront. Like, guys, this isn't just about doing nice things but we live in a world that needs the message of Christ, okay? So when we 
And I say this again with complete conviction, but when we stay silent because we don't know what to say, we have to understand that maybe saying things is not the necessity. Maybe just being with people. Maybe being a church that is willing to sit and listen to someone else's pain. Maybe being a church who is willing to, to shut down our mouth for a while and just listen. Like this world needs people who will be willing to listen to each other. There was a few months ago I started helping uh, a Syrian family move into New Brunswick through our multicultural association. And um, it was, I was actually in an uprising meeting and got a phone call that they were coming in the next day and I had to be at the airport at four. And I thought, like, I had this moment of like, okay, it's real and I don't know. I have this thing lately where I say to God, like, I'm too little for this. Like, hey, I'm too little for this. And he's like, well, I'm not right? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to trust because I don't really know what to do or say. And the interesting thing is, since February, they haven't said, what do you think about our situation? They haven't asked me for an answer. They haven't said, like, tell me your thoughts, Natalie. It's just been doing life, right? It's been soccer practice runs. I know nothing about soccer. I know everything about soccer now. Like, I know a little about soccer now, but it's, gro like, they have five boys, five boys, grocery runs, like, daily, on the daily, we're at Costco. I don't like Costco, if you know me. So, it hasn't, it's not been like, let's have these deep intellectual conversations about humanity. It's, can you help me do this thing? Right? Can you take me here? Can, can you help? Because they need help. Right? So, I'm not going to hesitate to help because, I mean, really, that's, a that's pretty doable. It's pretty doable. And so, yes, is the enormity of the situation that they've come from overwhelming? Absolutely. But I have seven new family members, right? And they don't need me to tell them what I think. They just need me. And in return, I need them, right? So I asked God to make me <laughs> kind of see inside myself to speak about this today. And um, I just realized I'm probably really fun on camera. Boop, doop, doop, doop. Um, I asked God to help me be trans. I'm a kid's pastor. I don't know. I asked God to help me be transparent in my own heart about obedience. And so this is from the life of Natalie. This is kind of how obedience has looked. And I think maybe you'll resonate a bit with it. How I generally operate. Um, is that God is, is out here. He's beautiful. He's un indescribable. I believe everything about him. I believe the mission of Christ. Like, I have no issue there. But how I generally operate is he's out here, and I'm just kind of walking around in Natalie world, doing all the Natalie things, like going to work, doing the, all the things. It's good. There's lots of coffee there. It's a fun place to be. And then God will say, hey, Natalie, can you do this thing for me? And I'll say, sure, or not sure, but sure for the sake of this metaphor. And so I say, all right. And so I go do the thing that God asked me to do. And then I'm done the thing. And then I go back into Natalie land where I live my life and I, and I do the things. And I don't think I'm a bad person. It's not about that. 
But here's the issue with that. God doesn't need a church that he can just send on errands. Right? We're not errand-running people because that doesn't look different to the world. And that's, that's almost offensive to who God is, that he would just say, hey, can you do this thing and then go back to your life? The th- life is about the thing. Do you know what I mean? So we have to trust that in our everyday life, we can experience Christ in a way that is an inward dwelling that will propel us forward and in our trust will move and that in the overflow of that movement, obedience happens because we're a trusting people who don't necessarily know all the answers, but we know Jesus, we've experienced him in a real way and we can't help but want other people to know because it's an absolute gift. And so let's stop operating in this way that does errands for God, right? Let's believe that Jesus really does dwell inside and that he wants that daily transaction of trust where you get up and say, all right, God, I trust you, right? And, and so instead of thinking we have an obedience issue, I think we have a trust issue, more than anything. Some of you are so incredibly fearful when it comes to your kids. You have a hard time giving your kids over. Your kids could be four or 24, and you can still be in that place, right? I don't have kids yet. I don't know what that feels like, but I'm sure that's a very real anxiety. Just your kids, not even anything specific, just your kids. And wouldn't it be better instead of living in fear to get up and say, they're yours, God? I trust you. And that doesn't mean you don't do everything you can as, as to be an awesome parent. But it says, I, I trust you, right? For some of you, it's your marriage and how you operate within your marriage. For some of you, it's your finances. And I believe that God can move in, in that. I think he cares enough about that, that he doesn't need money. But, you know, it's part of our world, and it's something that can trip us up. And so if we steward our money well and we say, I trust you, like, I don't know how this is all going to work this month, but I trust you, God. And that doesn't remove our responsibility from doing well with our money. But it, do you see the, the difference of thinking Natalie has to figure it all out? I don't want to do that. That's not a good time for me. Like, I, I'm, I'm not that smart. Like, I have great hair. It's not, it's. Smart is not, I mean, I I do all right. But I think there is something really great and almost freeing. You know, in that message in in, uh, John 20 when he says, peace be with you, that whole statement in the original language means apostello. And apostello means in a state of liberty. And so Jesus doesn't come and say, just calm down, right? He doesn't minimize your feelings. He says, there's freedom in the peace I want to give you. So just trust me, right? Just trust me. And so as we move forward as a church, can we just move away from this whole need of statement Christianity where we have to say what we think? And I know that, listen, hear me when I say I love conversation. And I think conversation changes things. I think conversation changes us. I have had conversations over the last six months that have been so 
needed that have been so of God that I believe God has used in my life. Some of them with God and some of them with people. Okay, I believe conversation is a big part of community. But when you continue to make statements about the world and trying to act like we have some kind of answer for what's going on, we remove ourselves from being part of the solution because we're not a safe place anymore, right? This is supposed to be a safe place for people to come and try and figure it out. And I found myself this whole message saying, God, I haven't done that so well. Maybe we haven't done that so well. Like, I don't really know. But from here on out, can we just be a place where we're not about statements, where we're about solution, and we're about saying, I trust Jesus to move in this situation, to move in this city, to move in this issue so much that I will just, I will trust and I will do out of that trust. I will sit with people. I will listen. I will stop talking. I will have patience, right? Can we get to a place where we understand that and where we grasp onto that? Because Jesus wasn't asking the disciples to walk around and say, I told you so to everyone who was facing issue or sin or whatever was going on. He was saying, like, be with people. Tell them about my message. So to tell someone about a message, you have to sit down and tell someone about the message. Right? Does that make sense? And so as a church and, and as, you know, people in this city, how are we trusting God to show up? How are we trusting God in our own lives with all of our things, all of our issues? Because I know I'm not trying to minimize your life. Like, your life is your life, and you experience it in a very real way. And I'm not trying to say you shouldn't do that. Like, you definitely should be figuring things out with God. But to take the posture of trust rather than trying to act like you don't need anything or anyone and you've got it figured out, it's just not going to work. And we're in a time when God needs his church to be visible, not yelling at people, but being present in humanity in a way that says, like, there's hope, right? There's liberty. I, I don't really know how we're going to do it, and I don't really understand what you're going through, but let's sit down and, and just tell me about it, right? Because we live in a time when service and, um, you know, what we do in obedience often is like a no-strings-attached approach. So, like, we do things in a way that we don't get too close, right? We don't get too far in. We don't, we don't want to get too attached because when we want to give up and leave, we can do that very easily, right? So we, we, don't get too we don't get too close to things so that we can just back out and, and not really have to worry or feel too bad. And I'm just going to say that I don't think that's the model or idea God had about his church. We have to have strings attached to people. We have to live in a way that says, I care, I'm here, and it's not always convenient right? But neither was the cross. And so let's live in a way <laughs> that tells people, I'm not just here to do my nice thing for you because I feel like I should. I'm not here to tell you what I think about you. 
I'm just here. And you can trust me because I have trust in him. Okay? That's the kind of church that I think God wants. And if I can be honest, I think that's the mantle that God is asking Crosspoint to wear. Is to have radical trust and crazy obedience. And we often think, well, that, like, she is so obedient. Like, look at her go. Look at all the obedient things. Like, she, I don't even know how she does that. Right? So I'll just leave that to her because she's called to that. As if we're not also called to that. As if we're not also capable of caring that much, of being that invested in the mission of Christ that we can't also look radical in our trust. Right? So let's be a church who doesn't leave it up to the next person. Let's be a church who doesn't live no strings attached. Let's understand that Christ wants to dwell within and propel us forward and have the overflow of that affect the condition of humanity right now to bring hope to a hopeless world. That we really can be a part of that. Are you with me? Yep. Good. Wow. All right. So... I, as I was trying to figure out, um, like, how do you end something like this? Uh, Jesus said, well, you can just let the scripture do the hard lifting. And I said, perfect. That (laughs) really works for me. And so I'm going to read to you from Colossians. Are you guys good? You're a little quiet. Uh, I'm going to read from Colossians, and I'm going to read from the message So this won't be on the big screen, but um, I find the message so, (laughs) it's like water for the soul almost. It's just so good sometimes when you you read the the wording. And so this is from Colossians. It's in chapter, sorry, chapter 1. Starts at verse 15, and the subtitle over this is God, or sorry, Christ holds it all together. Isn't that good? It says, we look at the sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. God and I have field of crying on stage, but. (sighs) He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. And at one time... You all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, 
Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. And every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. And I think, guys, <laughs> like it says in that scripture, we serve a spacious and roomy God. So let's take up some room with our trust. Let's expand how we think about obedience. Let's not just do nice things for people. Let's be invested in the fact that we are a messenger of the message, and it is the greatest message. It is the most hope-filled message. It is not a pretentious, um, unloving, like it's not, it's, it's unlike anything the world has ever heard. And yet there are still people that haven't heard of that gift. Even though you don't walk away from it, there's people who haven't heard it. So what are you doing in your current life to consistently and daily have a transaction of trust with Jesus that moves you into being propelled by him in this world that needs that? Right? What are we doing as a church? What are we doing as a community? How are we making that known in this city? Right? That's for me. That's for us as a leadership. That's for you as CPers. Right? That's for all of us. That in our trust relationship with Christ, I believe he moves us. I believe he moves us that we would be so moved by humanity like him that it would physically move us. Does that make sense? I think that there are some of you in here today who need maybe a bit of a gut check with the trust thing. Um, some of you are wondering where the promises of Christ are, but it's not on your timing or your agenda, <laughs> right? It's not the great idea you had that you gave to God because you're willing to do it, so now he should just let you, right? I think that some of you need to give over things in your life and not pick them back up. Not because God's doing this at you, but because he loves you and he wants you to walk in freedom. And I think some of you for the first time need to make that choice today to cross the line of faith and accept Jesus in your heart that you have that inward dwelling, I believe that he wants that for you today. And so I'd love to pray for us as a church, but I'd also love to pray for you um, as individuals who, um, who need Christ, who haven't made that choice. So I'd love for you to just bow your heads and close your eyes and just respect the moment. Um, all I'm going to do really simply is just um, count to three. And if that's you today and you'd like to accept Jesus for the first time, I'd love you to just slip your hands up with all heads bowed and eyes closed. One, two, three. God, we come before you in a posture of hopeful trust that you are here, that you are working, that that feeling we feel is not um, our, our body, ourself, but it's your Holy Spirit. 
And we believe, God, that you have given us a mission and a message that is vital to this world, that is water to this world. And so, God, may we (laughs) partner with you in that. May we daily make the statement and have the solution in our brain that, that you are trustworthy. That it's not always easy to do that, but it is good that there is freedom and that there is calm and that there is peace. And I pray that as a church, God, we are not known for anything other than how we trust and love you and that the overflow that comes from that affects this city, affects this world, and that affects us in a very real way. Thank you for for each person that is here, God. Thank you for how you've worked in each of us, for what you've given each of us, for what you've spoken over each of us. May we go um, in the vein of trust and obedience. We love you, God. Help us to fall more in love with you every day. And we all said, amen. Good to be in church. Yeah. All right. Well, the day is not over because we have baptisms coming up. So if you are getting baptized, you can start heading down to the river. We would love to have you all come and celebrate with us as one big family. So you just follow the big crowd that's going to go down the hill into the river. Guys, we love you. Have an awesome week.